0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Good morning. If you would, would you just quickly bow with me in a word of prayer as we get started? Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being your children by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. and We thank you for bringing us to this place together. We thank you for the gift of your word, of your people. And so today, we, we quiet ourselves before you for just a moment. And we ask that you would be glorified in making us look and live and love more like Christ. And as the old prayer goes, we ask that what we have not you would give us That what we know not, you would teach us. And that what we are not, you would make us. For Jesus' sake, we ask these things in his name and by the power of the Spirit. Amen. So not too long ago, I hit a milestone in my life. Just a few weeks back, I turned 30. And in keeping up with the narrative that a lot of times you hear about getting older, uh, my body decided to stop working. Um, My back gave out. And I was totally just blown away, not unexpected, uh, but it was just gone. So about a month before my birthday, it was Christmas morning, I was at my parents' house, I was picking up little scraps of paper and ribbon and bows and stuff, and every time I bent over, I said, ow, something doesn't feel right. I said, I must have slept on it funny or something, but there was a definite tweak in my back. After about a week, the tweak turned into a tightness. So by New Year's Day, I was pretty miserable. After another week, what was a tweak and then a tightness turned into torture. And I did not know what to do. So being the wise individual that I am, I waited another week and then decided to cry out. So I called a local chiropractor. I'd never really been to one consistently before. And uh, I went to him and he did this whole assessment thing. Those of you who have ever been to a chiropractor, you know what they do. And he bends me forward and he bends me backwards and he says, "Uh, you're not very flexible. I said, tell me about it. (laughs) And then he says, do you ever stretch? I said, well, I haven't stretched for about a month. He said, that's probably an issue. Uh, But he puts the x-rays up on on the light screen thing. And I'm looking at it from across the room. And there are all these little arrows that he has drawn. He says, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. Oh, and by the way, this is a problem down here too. It looked like a football play. So many arrows. I just, I had no idea what was going on. And he said, somehow your back has gotten misaligned. Your back is off. As a result, your hips, your pelvis is tilted like this. And so every pattern of my life, Every habit, every rhythm, everything that I did day to day was gone. I had been in the gym lifting weights three to five times a week. I had been playing basketball two nights a week. I had been helping my brother train for a marathon two days a week. And suddenly, someone who refused to tie in any game suddenly couldn't untie his shoes. But you see, the underlying issue wasn't the pain. It was the posture There was a misalignment in the posture that resulted in pain. Pride in our lives is a misaligned posture toward God. Pride is the the cancerous core of every sin. The prophet Habakkuk, he put it this way in Habakkuk 2.4. It's a familiar verse. He says, as for the proud one, his soul is not yashar. His soul is not right. His soul is not straight. The proud one has a twisted soul. Later on, the the old Bible teacher, Augustine, would put it this way. He said, sin is the soul curved in on itself. Have you ever felt that pinch of a misaligned and prideful posture toward God. The world in which we live is a world that is built on pride, and we don't have to look far to see that. I mean, think of the algorithms that pop up on your phones, the ads that come up on Facebook or TV if you still have cable. Uh, Think about all of those different messages that come in. It tells you that bigger is better, that all you need to belong in this life is you need to go and find the guy or the girl and get the car and get the house and get the 401k and get the degrees and suddenly you'll belong. I think in the church, for those of us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, we know that pride usually looks a little more strategic, a little more sinister. For us, pride normally doesn't appeal to us in the form of all of those things. It might, but not usually. Usually, it looks like having a lot of knowledge about this book. Pride can show up, manifest in the number of times we make evangelistic contacts on a regular basis. How many people go to our assembly? Pride still affects us. In fact, you don't have to look far to see What pride affects? You need only to look in the mirror. I need only to look in the mirror. And so today, as we consider what it means, how we might navigate a world that is built on pride as believers in Christ, we're going to look at Psalm 131 as we've already read this morning. And we're going to consider, we're going to evaluate the prideful postures of our hearts as we consider the small Life that God has called us to live. Because when we look at the scriptures, we see that God blesses a small and humble life. The first thing that we see here is that smallness requires humility. And so, David, the psalmist here, starts this song of ascent, this. Um, This song that was sung up on the way to the festivals in Jerusalem, this song of confidence, really, with one word. He starts out with the name of the Lord. The first thing that we see here is that a small soul, a humble soul, prioritizes the Lord. The Lord has the place of emphasis. In this psalm, the way David wrote it, he put the Lord In the first place, the place of priority, he wanted the focus to be the Lord and everything else to flow out of that. When you have that relationship in place, the rest falls behind. And not only that, but the name of the Lord, Yahweh, would have evoked in his mind, in his memory, the ways in which the Lord had always kept his promises. The ways in which the Lord had been the Lord of the Exodus. The way that he had been the Lord of the patriarchs. The way that he had been the Lord of the Day of Atonement and the Ten Commandments. He is the Lord who keeps his word. And he starts with that focus. So for us as we read this, we ought to be reminded that the Lord that we pray to is this same Lord. There's no difference. He is the Lord who keeps his promises to his people. I don't know about you, but I know I am very quick when I say I will pray about something to shoot up what I like to call a flare prayer. You know, it's just, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you right then, and then I check it off the box and I move on. What would our lives look like if we had a more robust prayer life before God, if we prioritized him in our communication with him? if we talk to him about everything, if we ask the Lord, where should I sit at lunch? Where should I go to lunch? Where should I attend as an assembly? Where should I go after Emmaus? How different would our lives look? The small soul is one that prioritizes the Lord. But we see very quickly after that, the small soul also perceives itself accurately. So the rest of the psalm flows pretty easily, uh, David writes that there are three things that a, pra- that a humble soul is not. He says there are two things that a humble soul is, and there is one thing that a humble soul, a small soul does. So the three things begins this way. He says, oh, Lord, my heart is not proud. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time saying that. Because often my heart is So David is giving us this picture. He says, the small soul, the humble soul, the soul that God blesses, he says, it has a humble heart. What David is saying here is when he says, my my heart is not proud, he's saying, my heart is not exalted. My heart is not calling the shots. He starts with the heart, the center of the affections, the center of the will And he moves from there. The second thing he says is that my eyes are not haughty. My eyes are not lifted high. He goes from the heart, from the affections to the eyes, where you would take in the messages from the world. And what he's saying here is that my eyes are not elevated. When our eyes are elevated, we tend to look down on the people around us. We tend to scoff at them, make fun of them, Condemn them. David is saying, Lord, my my heart's not proud. It's not exalted. Beyond that, my eyes are not lifted up. And looking down on others. And the last thing he says is, I do not walk in ways. I don't concern myself with matters or things, great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. He says, I essentially stay in my lane. I know the things that would easily give me a reason to be proud. And he says, I don't go in that direction. I'll give you an example. Not long ago, I was eating lunch with a friend, and I I, this was actually my first time meeting him in person. He was one of my brother's mentors. He's a great guy, uh, loves the Lord, and he's working on this science fiction book. Okay, and so we're sitting there eating lunch, and he looks up at me across the table. He says, um, Duncan, you're a man of faith. And by the way, guys, that is that should be an, uh, not a red flag, but you should know when you hear that that someone's going to say or ask something that's going to be really provocative. You're a man of faith. And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, do you believe in extraterrestrials? And in that moment, I thought, I don't even remember the last time I thought about an extraterrestrial. Um, Legitimate question. Um, I I looked at him and I said, you know, I can't say that I think about it a lot. And he said, huh. And I looked at him and I said, such things are too wonderful for me. (laughs) David is saying, my heart is not lifted up. It's not exalted. My eyes are not elevated in looking down on other people. And the the ways in which I walk, my daily habits, my daily patterns, he said, I don't go into areas that I know will be a trap for me, that I know will be an instance in which I will be tempted to be prideful. He said, I don't concern myself with those things that are too great, that are too marvelous for me. I focus on what God has given me before me. You know, when I thought about the pain in my back, it really did inhibit my life in a lot of ways. It it, it really does kind of cripple your daily life. That is exactly what pride does to us as well. Pride disables our ability to interact with others in a godly manner. It distracts and inhibits our worship and it distorts our realities and our expectations. Ultimately, pride dissatisfies us. The second thing that we see here is that the small soul perceives itself accurately. It it knows its place with people. It knows its place before the Lord Um, It lacks these haughty eyes and it knows its limitation. The second thing we see is that humility, a humble soul, is a soul that rests satisfied. It's a soul that rests satisfied. And David paints this beautiful picture here of a child, a young child. He says in verse 2, But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. So there were three things that a a humble soul was not. It had a heart that was not proud, eyes that were not lifted up, it didn't walk in ways that were too great for them. But there were two things that a humble soul was. David says the first thing is that a humble soul knows composure. He says, I have combed myself. The, the, what that means is that um, the, the picture he's painting is of a field. Oftentimes a field would be, would be furrowed. For those of us who grew up on farms, I, I've lived on a farm for a number of years. Um, out in the country, you know that when they get ready to plant, they will plow the fields. They'll have these little mounds all the way down. Um, the picture he's painting here is that he said a humble soul, a quiet soul, a small soul is one that has been smoothed out. There's no bumps. It's a soul that has been put at ease. Essentially, the humble soul knows composure because a humble soul is soothed. Sure, there are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be hardships that you encounter I mean, y'all are college students. You know that life can be really hard. What David is saying is that a soul that is made right before God is one that has been soothed ultimately and finally because of who he is. The second thing that he says is that a humble soul is silenced. It's quieted. It's calmed. That this picture is, is one who has been soothed And smoothed and silenced. Oftentimes in the scripture when we talk about something being quiet, um, it's a picture of rest. And rest is a picture of a properly placed hope. And what David is saying is, he's saying, "I I can rest where I'm at because I have been in right relationship with the Lord. And I can calm myself and quiet myself. So it's, it's a humble soul, a small soul is one that knows composure, but the other thing is a humble soul, a small soul is one that knows contentment. There's this picture, he says, I'm like a young child with its mother, like a, a, a weaned child, I'm content. And the picture here is of a little kid that's about the age three to four, something like that, and that's typically when a child would be, would be weaned in the Hebrew culture. And so he's saying, I'm like a little elementary schooler, uh, maybe preschooler, he says, I, I, I am like a child, not just one that can toddle around, but I'm like a child that is still small enough to be carried. And that is the picture that he gives us of a soul that is one that God blesses, the humble soul, the small soul that the Lord delights to carry. It's a picture of contentment. Are you content in the Lord? I have to ask myself, am I content in the Lord? Discontentment ultimately is sin. There is an essence of pride that perhaps you know better than God does. Because if you had your way, your life would not be what it is today. Pride easily takes a stronghold in our lives whenever we fall into discontentment. So, when I think about what the psalmist says he is not, and when I think about what he says he is, I have to stop and listen to David. Can we say that? Can we say that our hearts aren't proud? that our eyes aren't lifted up? Can we say that we don't concern ourselves with things that are too marvelous? Can we say that day by day, the Lord carries us, that we have quieted and calmed ourselves? You see, when the pain became real, when my back was at its worst, I knew that it was time to cry out because I knew that the pain wasn't the problem. There was something deeper, something I could not see. There was a posture that needed correction. And so David finally wraps up this small psalm, this short psalm, with one thing that the humble soul, the small soul, does. And it's a challenge for us today. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord now, And forever. Now maybe that sounds simple. But what does it look like in our lives? It looks like we need to stay small. Stay small. The way in which we stay small is we set our hope in the Lord. The first thing we do, we set our hope in the Lord. Trust Him in every circumstance. I don't know what you're going through. No clue. But I know what I'm going through. And I know that this is a challenge for me as well. Where is my hope? Where am I finding rest? David says for us today put your hope in the Lord. When? Now and forevermore. Hope in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. In every paper. And I know you got a lot of them. In every test. In every circumstance. Every, well, basketball's over, but every other sporting event, right? Every other relationship. Put your hope in the Lord. Ask the Lord, what does it look like for me to hope in you? And follow where he leads. Set your hope in the Lord. Trust him in every circumstance. The next thing, still your heart before the Lord. I'm sure that every one of you right now probably has an object in your pocket or on your lap where I cannot see it that connects you to the world outside of this building. Turn it off sometimes, frequently. Put it away. Close your laptop. Turn off your iPad and be alone with Him. Be alone with Him. He delights to be with us. Still your heart before Him. And the last thing, spend your life Inviting other people to listen to the ways in which he has quieted your soul. This is not a psalm by a random author. This is a song of David, a song that people sang year after year. Some commentators say that it was a song predominantly sung by women as they went up to worship the Lord, carrying their children. I don't know, I'm not sure. But what we know is that this is attributed to him. And you think about it. To this day, we have this testimony from one of the greatest kings of Israel. That this was his story. And the invitation for us is to invite others to listen to our story. I'm not saying you have to write a psalm. I'm not saying you have to write anything. But leverage your life. To invite others to listen to the song that God has written for you. That He's written of redemption, of forgiveness, of quieting, of humility. So, as we wrap these things up this morning, on the wall in my chiropractor's office is a sign. And the sign says this I think it's pretty good. It says, Pain is the last message from your body that something is not right. Pain is the last message in your body that something is not right. What does that mean? That means that many people that will go through his doors aren't going to be necessarily feeling any pain, though most of us do. It means that even though you don't feel the pain right now that pride may be causing, that does not mean that the posture is straight. That does not mean that your posture is appropriate before a holy God. And so this morning, as we consider what it means to be small, I want to invite us, like Peter says, to cast ourselves upon Him. To cast our small but often prideful souls upon the One who delights to correct it. Who delights to redeem us. The one who breaks us from our self-reliance. And calls us again and again to live humbly. To live small. Before a big and holy God. Let's pray. Our Father, as we, as we consider your word today. I confess And my heart is often prideful. I confess that I am often quick to act, to think, to do without bringing things before you. I'm quick to have a prideful heart, to have lofty eyes, to have feet that run in ways that are too marvelous for me. So Father, today I ask that you would break us of those things that would pridefully sneak into our lives that would distort our posture before You. Lord, correct us. Straighten us. See what is wrong within us. And Lord, correct it and send us on the way everlasting. We thank You for the truth of Your Word and for the opportunity to be together. Be glorified now, we ask. In the name of Christ and the power of the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.